Uh, here we go again, praising Josh Scoggin for how much we love the music that he's been a part of. Uh, this is a long time coming for Michael and I to do this song. We actually held it for a while and decided to finally break it down. Um, if you know this band, you absolutely know this song. Uh, one of the best metal songs that's ever been put out, in my opinion. This song also features Aaron Weiss from Me Without You. Not sure it could get much better than that. My dad, I don't remember. I, I, I told you, my dad, I'm making a base for him. Okay. With a cow skull. Okay, yeah. I was about to say, I, I remember you saying that now. Okay. Yeah. An actual cow skull. An actual one. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he, he showed up. We were at my sister's for my nephew's birthday party. And my dad was showing, it's like somebody had sent him a picture. He saw this picture of this base that... Or I think it, maybe it was a guitar. I don't actually remember, but it had a cow skull for the body, and he was like, "I really wanna, I really wanna get one of these." Like he just he loved it, and he's like, "Do you think you could make one of these things?" And uh, I was like, "Well, I mean, I built some guitars. We can we can try, you know." And so, like, literally two days later, he shows up with some money and a cow skull <laughs> to my at my house. <laughs> it's like, all right, let's start this thing. I'm like, oh, okay, game on here. So, dude, I have been building this thing, and, uh, uh, dude, I have, I have too many hours. I have too many hours into it. That's, it, that's a problem with being, like, a, a perfectionist that doesn't know what you're doing with certain things, mm-hmm. and there's nowhere to go on Google to figure out how to form this skull around a body so that the thing is actually playable, because the one that he showed me the picture of you would not want to play that bass. The action was so high. It was definitely more of just like a wall piece. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just, it, it was a guitar. It was a neck with a, with a cow skull for a body and it was not going to be something to comfortably play on yeah. a regular basis. But my dad's playing in a band now. And uh, so he wants to be able to play this thing live and bring it up because I'm, I'm building this fuzz circuit in it. So when you turn it on, uh, it, it, it'll have like a fuzz capability with a switch right on the base to turn some, some dirty fuzz on. But then also the, the light, the eyes, the LEDs for the eyes, we, I've got red LEDs and it's, it's going to have, you know, red LEDs in the eye sockets dude. when you turn the fuzz on. So it'll have this like, you know, whatever look. And then dude, my dad, uh, it's, I, dude, him and I have pretty much talked every day about this thing, and it is 100% like what he's living for right now, which is awesome. It's fun to experience that right, with my right. dad, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, can't, I, can't, I don't take that for granted. That's like a fun thing to experience with him. But uh, um, he, he actually came over the other day uh, on Thursday. I took the day off, and kids started school. It was the first day of school, so I helped do kid drop-off, and yeah. then Becky was working, so I had the house to myself. So my dad came over, and we worked on the base for like six or seven hours. Oh, wow. He hung out with me while I was working Oh, on that's it. cool. That's neat. And uh, anyway, my dad bought a mini fogger. So like, yes. there's this device that is like roughly the size, it's roughly the size of a cell phone, but it's thicker. And so he's going to put it in a pouch and feed it to feed a tube into where like the nostril area of this space is going to be <laughs> so that it could have the red LED eyes with you know smoke coming out of it as if it's like blowing smoke so he is going hard in the paint on this thing dude dude I it's funny one of the last pictures I saw of him on Facebook because I haven't seen him it feels like it was just a few weeks ago we podcasted with him but that was probably was like, a long time ago yeah six nine months Months ago it was or something. Months, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, he's the long hair and everything. He's really he's got an aesthetic going. Yeah. Shout out Darren. Uh, to that I haven't I haven't witnessed before. And just as you're saying this, it's kind of you get kind of happy. 
you know, and excited for people uh, when they're just kind of doing different things. And as you would say, you know, to use your word, leaning into it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I haven't seen him like with long hair, having a cow skull freaking, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, base before, like that's not been a thing I've seen with Darren, but like he's, he's one to do this thing and he's going for it. And I just think that's awesome. Yeah. That's, well, if you know my dad too, it's not, it, it's, it's nothing anybody would be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's definitely something Darren would do. But I, I should give my dad kudos, too. He, over the last six months, he's lost over 60 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He's he's really been... Wow. Uh, ...adjusted his diet quite a bit, and, you know, it's one of those things, like, he... And he definitely... I mean, he he looks really good, man. He's, man, good, he's, good for you, Darren. Yeah. He, he's, uh, he was 201 when he came over on Thursday. Man. So he, like, uh, yeah, he did a total shift. Wow. Which is cool. So he's making all the right choices, you know, losing weight, making uh, uh, bases out of cow skulls and yeah. playing in a band. One would say Go get it, he's dad. living his best life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, for <laughs> shit. My dad has always lived his best life. That is one thing nobody would be able to accuse him of not doing. He has lived life the way he wanted to and uh, uh, raised a family doing it, so. Damn. All right, Darren. Anyway, dude, let's go from one metal thing, building a base out of a cow skull, yes. into the metal of Norma Jean. Holy shit, this, it's been a long time coming to bring this song up. We, uh, we had a couple of guests that I was kind of wondering if they'd want to join us for this song, mm -hmm. and then it just kind of didn't come to fruition. Uh, my brother Sam had kind of mentioned it, but we haven't been able to nail down a time uh, if, if, he'll, if he'll even come on. I'd, I'd love to have him on, but I'm not sure if he will. So anyway... I, it was just time to bring this song up because it is such a damn good song. And I would like for you, why don't you kick off your relationship with the song? Sure. I feel like this song in our circle, uh, in our, I guess our closer circle, not kind of like our extended circle, is probably um, maybe the most like, I, I, what are words, you know, what, what, what do you do with them, you know, and where do they come from? It's probably one of the most epic songs there is, you know what I mean? It's like Memphis will be laid to waste by Norma Jean is just an epic song. There's so much that goes into it. The, the only album that, uh, Scoggin fronted Norma Jean on, but he was with Ludacris before that. So, I mean, everyone had played together for quite some time. Um, but then he went to the Chariot soon after, which really sucked for like the Norma Jean band members. Dude. Like they were really bummed. Like they had worked really hard to get to where they're at, and then he needed to go do something different. And sorry, that's a whole nother story. It was right so there. quickly after too. They recorded this album, and then by the time they made the music video for it, yeah, Scoggin had already left. Dude. And there's some rando on the because he wasn't he, the guy that was on the music video isn't even the not guy even that's Corey Brandon. On, yeah, yeah, that's saying on the next very next yeah. album. So yeah, it's kind of a a, a weird uh, transition. There, there's a live show, and this was the first time I kind of got a glimpse into it because Josh Scoggin just kind of seems infallible to me at times, but. Like, no, he's human, and uh, it's kind of lame, probably, what he did to his <laughs> bandmates, but he needed to do what he needed to do as an artist, you know. And I'm sure they're, I'm sure, like, that whatever hurt feelings there was, like, they reconciled and whatnot, you, you would hope. But uh, one of my first, like, tastes of, like, oh, yeah, there's another side to this story is I watched this live Norma Jean performance. I mean, this was years and years ago, and they're, like, sarcastically saying, they didn't they showed up to play the show without a vocalist so they were just having fans come up and do vocals oh, for really? some of the songs no way. So, yeah. i didn't even know that i mean they, i think one of them was screaming like during some of the songs but it was like fresh after and you could see like the frustration and kind of shock they're like yeah uh if someone wants to come up you know cuz uh we don't have a vocalist now it's just wow. kind of crazy but um anyways past the drama and politics Memphis will be laid to waste. Um, clearly, Aaron Weiss, Aaron Weiss's involvement with this song too. It it makes for this for this industry for this genre of music for the circles that are connected to these musicians and everything. This is probably one of the most epic songs that um, was made, and it's 
Um, it's both timeless and not. It's funny because now when I listen to it, there's so many, like, it's just a lot slower, I think, at times. Yeah. And it needs to be, um, it builds itself up too much. You know, it announces itself too much at times. Like, I think... Um, that whole album, Bless the Martyr, Kiss the Child, kind of has, though, that what you're saying is, it, it is, it's indicative of kind of that album, but in 2002... It was way ahead edge. of its time. It was, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, exactly. Beyond, so, yeah. I, I just want to appreciate what you said that it's both timeless and not because it it it's funny. It fits that it fits that bill. Yeah, yeah. It's just weird. I was thinking about that because what are words? Yeah. How <laughs> <laughs> do you say that? Yeah. It is. It's timeless, but it's not. That's yeah. a great. Yeah, it's great. So, anyways, I'll I'll hand it off to you, and 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 you can kind of. Yeah. Well, I think this you can I, talk I, and our, say words. Our undying, <laughs> our undying respect and love for the man, the myth, the legend, Josh Scoggin continues. I mean, this is our third song, uh, essentially fanboying over him. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. Uh, there's a lot of great Norma Jean music after this as well. It's yeah. you know, but uh, this song, to your point, I think is there's just something special and classic about about this song um, uh, for all the reasons you brought up. And I, I, I said this in a previous podcast, but um, I would say it again because it's fitting with this. When I first heard this album, I was at a Christian bookstore and I love this. They had the demo, they had the demo, the CD demo and you'd be able to put it in. And I remember seeing the cover art and it was, you know, pretty creepy. And you got to remember at the time, uh, 2002. So I graduated in 2001 from high school and I left the church organized church when I was 18 years old, but I was still, you know, hard for Jesus for sure. And so, um, but I was, I was like, I was branching out a little more outside of the organized religion than Mm -hmm. I had with things. Um, and so, like different, just I was obviously when you're maturing in the era at that age too. I was just kind of exploring new genres, new 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 things within music, and I wasn't a huge metal fan. I wasn't really a metal fan at all, and so, dude, seconds I listen, I turned it on, and seconds into the first track, I went, nope, yep, and I just it wasn't for me. So then, fast forward, Brian Bartz. I've I've told this thing, so I'm not going to say it all again. But I want to at least set the stage with it um, in case somebody hadn't heard it. But uh, um, Brian Bartz saw me without you live. Was like, what the fuck is going on? This band is totally different than anything he had seen. Told me about them. Um, A to B Life. Uh, it's not their first album. They actually did an EP before that, but that was their first full length that was out in the market, really. And. Uh, I fell in love with me without you at Brian's recommendation. Like they just something totally different, something totally special. And so knowing Aaron Weiss now and um, his lyrical content and the way that he just, his melodies are so uniquely him, you know, uh, I just had this deeper respect and then kind of realized, wait, he's on, like, I, I don't, I don't remember how I heard it, but, but found out he was on the third track on bless the martyr, kiss the child on Memphis will be laid to waste. I'm like, well, I got to listen to this song. And from the start, what was funny is, is I think that over time I had just like, it just kind of, it grew on me a little bit. So from the start of the song, it wasn't even just, you know, the bridge where Aaron Weiss comes in. Like I was like, dude, I, this is a really great song. I really liked it. It wasn't like other stuff that I had kind right, of heard, right? right? So that got me back to, and then I started listening to this album over and over and over and really fell in love with it. But what what's special about this album to me too is it was like I, I was completely turned off, mm-hmm. but then I totally fell in love with it. So I have a special relationship with this album. I, I want to comment on that because... I brought this guy up earlier in a different um, podcast, but so George Saunders is a short story writer who's just highly acclaimed. And one thing that he does super well is um, he begins most of his stories in media res, which is, I believe Latin, wherever the fuck it comes from, but it means um, like in the middle of, to begin in the middle of something. So it's just like a, like a moving is, a movie that that begins without explaining, you know, giving you any details or whatever, and and what that does in in reading or 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 viewing something is, 
it's it's kind of discomforting like you don't have any sort of introduction into something and you really kind of have to learn as you go but it really gives the 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 audience the listener the reader this kind of experience of participation you know you're not being pandered to you're not being set up it's not clean it's like you're in this world and it almost is kind of like instructing you how to form this relationship with the art as you go. And I felt like I had a very similar experience with uh, the chariot, not Norma Jean. Tyler Wolf um, showed me the chariot and uh, the first, their first album. And I loved the first song. Like that didn't turn me off at all. I was like, dude, this is amazing. But then a couple songs after that, I was like, what is going on? Like, this is way too chaotic. Like, I don't get it. You know, I almost thought I got it and I was annoyed by it. You know, I was like, I see what you're trying to do here. Like, cool we're like edgy we're going all over the place like no and and then i fell in love with it too and once you kind of can take in all the nuances and what they're doing it's just very um jazz like almost like kind of symphony orchestra like where it's just a lot at once you know but then when you start kind of learning it and experiencing it and you see the kind of the brilliance in it um it's really magical and i I had that relationship with with this too, and I don't know. It's it's really hard to do that as an artist, I think, because when you take away the oh, I'm going to ease, I'm going to explain things, you know, to the reader. I'm going to ease the listener into this, you know, by by you know putting these parts together that make a lot of sense. When you just come at them, you know, you're asking a lot of the of the listener. You know, you're like, hey, you better be with me on this one because like we're going, and I I think that's great. Yeah. How many times have you seen Norma Jean live? Uh, I think just two. And yeah, we have a great story Dude, about we, that. We saw them in Chicago together. 68 <sighs> open for them. Man. What a fucking great show, dude. Dude, let's talk what about a great that show. Night. Yeah. Know, let's talk about that show. You 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 kick us off, man. Because that that was a special night, dude. I you know my memory is for shit. Mm-hmm. And when they played this song at that show, mm-hmm. it was fucking rad. So, all right, I'll open that night by, um, let's start with a heartfelt anecdote about you oh, and my oh, relationship with you. Perfect. Uh, it was cool because you're someone that I always just kind of, once I started working at Harley, you know, I just wanted to kind of be closer friends with you, but we had a working relationship and stuff, and that just kind of evolved you know, organically, and we had talk and stuff, but that was, um, we hadn't hung out that much before that. I had gone not already, a, before, like, before working together? Before working together, not at all. Not at all, But yeah, even yeah. once oh, we yeah, worked but, together, yeah. in the first, like, year or two, because I think Took that was by, yeah. like, the second year that we were working together, I'd gone over to, uh, over to your house, we had had, like, little hangouts and stuff, but I was like, man, I'd like to spend more time with Brandon. And that was cool because we got to take a trip into Chicago and we had some time. So we went to like a coffee shop and everything. And so, uh, and it was kind of with the crew, you know, Zach was there. there. I think Sam was there. Sam was, yeah. Um, there, there was a number of people that, that all went on that. And so it was just, it's something that's really hard to pull together, especially now, you know, as we get older. Yeah, with everybody having, I mean, all those people you just named now have kids. Yeah. Other, yeah literally. Yeah, other yeah. than me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Sam, Sam married into, into kids. So, yeah. he, you know, yeah. It's, it's so... Families and all that. It's, it's just kind of like uh, uh, an ideal situation where we have a bunch of friends that all love the same kind of music. And then those musicians are in numerous bands together and they're about to play together. So we knew it was kind of going to be a big night. We went and had some of the best coffee that I've ever had. Absolutely, dude. That was such a great experience. Our first experience with nitro coffee. Yeah, it was. And so (laughs) uh, everyone's having a good time. Uh, We drink splendid coffee. (laughs) And then we go into this venue to listen to great music. So I'll pass it off to you. No, no, no! Keep, keep going. I, 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 I love it. Well, because I have uh, this is this is the concert that I mentioned in a previous podcast that like when we were when we were watching sixty eight, and everybody's just in their their coolest metal clothing. <laughs> everybody's got their black on, and they're just you know they're all metalheads. And then here is fucking Michael in what might as well be flip flops and cargo shorts. 
and a polo, right? I mean, you weren't exactly wearing that, but like was, you're the yeah. dude that might as well have been in that outfit, fucking screaming every word of every cherry of '68 song at the top of your lungs, and the most metal guy there. That was yeah. I felt, I felt probably the most proud I felt of a friend <laughs> in that moment was Michael Carlson just showing everybody up <laughs> dude. with how fucking metal he was. That was so great, dude. I, I appreciate that. That means a lot. I always enjoy you telling that story because I'm like, yeah. Because it's about I'm, you. I'm, yeah, it's, I'm <laughs> super cool. He loves me. Don't, don't, ever, don't ever leave me. Um, the thing that's funny about that too is that was the first time I saw 68 and I couldn't have been more pumped. No shit, that was the first time you saw them? That was my first time. Wow. And, and what they ha- year was that? Dude, I think it was like 2015. Yeah. Maybe 2016. And 68 came out with their first album in 2013. And yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I started listening to them until beginning of 2014. You had like mentioned them or something, or someone had mentioned them. And then I finally gave them a listen to, and I was just, just taken. Like, yeah. and it was cool because I had missed the boat on the chariot, and I was really bummed about that. Um, and so I really wanted to see Josh Scoggin perform. So I showed up to that just ready to just, you know, that's my form of kind of like worship and kind of exultation, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and in a community fashion, you know, like coming together to kind of, you know, become something greater than what we are individually. And so I kind of had those expectations going into, it. I want to scream, I want to have a good time. In fucking 68 set, it reminded me of like a middle school rec dance where people are standing like stiff boards, <laughs> oh, yeah. separated. No one knows what to do. There's only like 30, 40 like disparate people in there. And 68's jamming. And I remember I just had to get over that self-consciousness, you know? And I was like, fuck it, dude. I came here to like scream and have a good time. So that's what I'm going to do, you yeah. know? And uh, you, it's not like you were telling me that story like while it was happening. So I actually felt a little uncomfortable like here and there, but I just had to tell myself, just like, enjoy yourself, you yeah, know? Dude. So it's nice to know that that was noticed because it wasn't like conducive to like, Hey man, come over here, have a good time. Scream. Everyone's just like, who the fuck are these guys? Yeah. I think some, some people knew, but anyways, some people, but people were there for Norma. Jean. So yeah, and they, they I'm, I'm sure a lot of them knew Scoggin, but just weren't familiar with 68's material. At the right. Time. So it was Norma Jean's, um, uh, what was that album called? Because they, they, it was a reunion tour, and that album is really good, actually. Um, I, see, those are the details I don't really remember. Anyways, they played. Um, gosh, dang it! I'm I I'll try I'll I'll look it up. I I have it on my phone, but it was a it was like a ten year reunion tour, which is incredibly popular in the metal genre now. Oh God, the aftermath. Oh, okay. So that yeah, was yeah, in yeah. 2015 because okay. that album came out in 2005. Oh God, the aftermath. And uh, Norma Jean played an unbelievable set. And at the end of the show, everyone, all these like diehard fans were hoping for them to play Memphis. So there was a lot mm-hmm. of people that knew Josh Scoggin. Yeah. From the, and so it was literally like um, chanted. And I had already seen on YouTube, someone had leaked that they had done a cover of it in like the previous location. Yeah. And so it's like this epic song. No one thought they'd be able to hear live again. Then they brought up one of the previous guitarists who like lived in Chicago of the original Norma Jean. And so there was actually two or three original musicians from the band and then Scoggin takes a stage. And so, yeah, dude, when that was, it was, we were sweaty, man. We were just sweaty. Yeah. And I just remember, I remember even seeing Zach because when, when you say, first of all, for 68, when you say there were only like 30 or 40 disparate people, like there were hundreds of people in the place. It yeah. was just the people that were kind of bu- crowding the stage or like yeah. where we where we were at. There were it people wasn't... standing like way back and but, stuff, yeah. But when Norma Jean was going on, it was a full... Completely full it venue. It was full. It and was packed. That, yeah. that might have been one of the... That was probably the last time that I was like in the thick mm-hmm. of it because that like... And I, I went up just for that song, too, because while Norma Jean was actually playing, I wasn't up super close to the mm-hmm. stage. Yeah. But, like, dude, for Memphis, I mean, fuck you. We're going up. So, we dude, all got we, were up up there. Th- we were up there, like, at the at the feet. Of, yeah. You know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, when, when Scoggin came on, it's fun in those moments to just, to use my phrase, to just lean into that experience. Like, dude. It's, it's funny because getting up at the front in the mosh pit of a band is so in my mind 
it is so early to mid-20s. It's something you do when you're a teenager, I guess a teenager up to your like mid-20s. It's dangerous. There aren't a whole lot of 45 or 50-year-old men that are just getting to the front of them. And, and some do, and those guys have probably done a lot of coke. <laughs> In their lives. Yeah, dude, or right? didn't make it out of the mosh pit. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in my early 30s, which I would have been for that show, um, I was, like, kind of over being oh, in yeah. that. I was there to appreciate it, you know. But, like, I, I just, I leaned hard into that moment and went up there. And, dude, it just was so to. fun. And, and Sam, like, it's just great because all of us that were there were having the time of our lives while we were there. Yeah, it was such a special show, and I mean, I've I've been to a few shows that I have really great memories, but that was just one that we had, like a, a group of us, you know, like you mm -hmm. were saying, just a group of us kind of experiencing that together. And so this song, it, that show didn't make this song any more special, but it did highlight how special this song was to all of us. Mm -hmm. um, and and specifically this song, not not the not sixty eight or Norma Jean as a band, this song really stole the show at the end and how they did it and created a moment. I think that I'll probably remember forever. You know, dude, it completely. And this is a a perfect segue into like the music and the lyrics. And I think that's one thing that I love about like the concept of moshing, the concept of um, just getting rowdy with a crowd in that sort of scene. Um, that I feel like there's been quite a departure from in some of the shows I've been to because some moshes, especially with like hardcore dancing and stuff, have become a bit more volatile, you know, a bit more like aggressive, almost competitive with other crowd members. Yeah. And it's actually, I feel like, intended to be quite the opposite. It's supposed to be a unifying experience where you can kind of get some moving and some aggression out by also keeping an eye on everyone around you and making sure everyone's safe and having a good time. And that's how I felt in that moment. And it's really fun for us because um, I think there's complete buy-in to the lyrics and music. You know, if the yeah. lyrics were pandering, if the lyrics were, you know, August Burns Red lyrics, you know, <laughs> we don't need to go there. If, if, if the lyrics are something that we just don't feel excited by, you know, 100%, it would take a bit away from it. And then also the music, you know, if the music is just something that um, is kind of up there, but doesn't really just do it for us. And, and this music had everything, you know, yeah. we, we really enjoy every element of it. And then, so it's, it's just kind of this celebration, you know, of art with the mu with the musicians and stuff. And so, yeah, I'll just say a brief blip about the music and then, um, a little something about the lyrics and then I can hand it off to you. Um, but the, 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 the music, it, it really reminds me of, not reminds me, it, it, it causes me to experience it in kind of sections. Cause I feel like it's a couple different songs in one, you know, you have the, and I just, they, they make it work, you know? And I really like that they found a way to do that. Um, so effectively because I just, I feel like for lack of better terms, I feel like it's rather unique how they pull it off. And so, um, and then, and then repetition, like this is a, this is a great song where repetition somehow just really, they send the repetition and pull it off so well. Like when he's screaming, uh, now you're doing, doing the, the waltz, waltz with, with your, your murderer. murderer. Fucking A. It's just, and here, uh, I'll say the brilliance of it too. I, I would like to think that this is an artistic reaction to um, common themes that are used often in metal, right? Uh, imagery of death, imagery of darkness. Uh, th like that's a subject that gets taken on in any art and it can, it can just be so overdone and so cheaply made that it's just lame. And just that simple imagery of doing a waltz, you know, with your murderer and just the word waltz. And it's just, there's just kind of like this elegant kind of ominous nature to this, this um, image that they're creating that really works super well. You know, it's now you're, you know, if you were shaking hands with your murderer or, you know, talking with your murderer or running from your murderer, it's like, eh. But like now you're doing the waltz with your murderer and it's, 
I don't know, there's, there's something horrifying with that kind of complicity, you know, that complicit nature. Um, and his voice, you know, he's just well, the best we, screamer ever. We found out, we find out lyrically in the next phrase who the murderer is, which is mediocrity. Mediocrity is the killer. Yeah. And so that kind of imagery, that's not a foreign thing for, you know, um, artists to kind of say, yeah, well, me, me, uh, mediocrity is, you know, I, I, nobody wants to be mediocre. Who, mm -hmm. the, who the hell wants to be mediocre? Like, mm -hmm. it's just that, that word and what it, what it entails. So it's a, it's a little bit of kind of a typical thing in my mind, but it's pulled off super well in this. And, and, and Scoggins lyrics over time are, are kind of all about that. Mm -hmm. Not, not, you know, like all about a war on mediocrity, mm -hmm. you know, so it, it really, it really stays in his lane for sure. And it, I guess in, in this album somewhat kind of introduces you to that lane. Although um, I'm not super familiar with the lyrical content of ludicrous. Maybe it goes all the way back into that, I suppose. But this is, was, I, I really just feel like these lyrics are very, uh, the, the first portion of this, um, it's very much Josh Scoggin. And then, I love the shift into Aaron Weiss. You can tell that Scoggin did not write the lyrics for the bridge of this song. Right. You can tell that these are Aaron Weiss lyrics. So it kind of puts on display both of their styles, you know. But I, I would say uh, I want to I want to kind of commend you on uh, when you said the song is more or less broken into sections, and so it it is, and I kind of love that about it. And I think that s some of my favorite metal music i would i would say they're broken into sections whether they're different you know they switch at time signatures or there's a a, a major tempo change or something like mm -hmm. that it kind of gives you this feeling of a section change and in this song i think what kind of does it a, a bit are the drums the drums really help shift mm -hmm. from section to section and what they're doing especially when they go into the bridge how the toms like when when Scoggin starts saying fashion, fashion, and the 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 Tom fill the Tom riff that's going on, like the, those kinds of section um, uh, uh, or cutting those up into those kinds of sections, the, the shift is is in my opinion mostly driven by the drums. And what's funny is in trying to determine well what would I put my stamp on as my favorite moment, I, I don't think in this song it's appropriate to do that because it is a little bit of like I feel like they're multiple parts of songs mashed together. And so like at a minute 41, when they go into doing the waltz with your murderer, and then at 252, I think is when they're doing mediocrity is the killer. Mm -hmm. And then 336 is when he starts saying fashion, and then Aaron Weiss comes in. And all of those have their own like just amazing sections within mm -hmm. that you kind of have to sit and appreciate as like, it still is cohesive, so I don't think the song is awkwardly pieced together or arranged or anything. I think they still flow just fine together. But um, I have just an equal appreciation for each of those. And what's funny is, is like, uh, he doesn't have to have a lot of lyrical content in the, in the mediocrity is the killer and you're doing the waltz with your murderer. I think it's fine that he just hangs on those mm -hmm. over and over again, that repetition really just driving it home because what you're doing is gripping the steering wheel and banging your fucking head in your car when listening to this. I don't need much more lyrical content yeah. to that. Right. But then the bridge takes you to, just kind of another place and it makes you pay attention in a way although you're feeling kind of the swing halftime of the drums and the the you know the guitars are initially they're like uh, the guitarist in the right speaker um, that's, that's going on in your right ear he's bending a note he's bending it really low and it's coming back up and then eventually um, after a couple of, of phrases he he goes into more of just straight just they're just droning and banging mm -hmm. you know the the chord and it really lets you fixate or fix your mind and your attention to what Aaron Weiss has to say and he has that unique capability in my opinion of just making me pay attention 
to what he's saying. And I don't get that sensation a lot. We've, we've talked a lot about how I could take or leave good lyrics in a song if the song moves me. I just love a, a really well-written and arranged song. Mm-hmm. But like Aaron Weiss has this unique capability of just making me pay attention to what he says more so than any other artist on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love how Scoggin continues on with the fashion, fashion underneath, and then they just start bringing in other things, oh, and it God. just comes to this culmination of all these things being pulled together. And you're still you're still fixated on what Aaron Weiss is saying, yet there's all these other things. Kind of just I'm just I'm like literally getting goosebumps, like kind of talking about it because it's it's. Uh, um, that the bridge just elevates it, the the bridge is is kind of what m- turns this into a classic the the song it turns the song into a classic but it is brought there by the amazing sections before it as well you know yeah um i yeah i've just been studying george saunders a lot so i'm going to reference him again but when it comes to writing uh he he says this thing um that you need to always be escalating you need to always be escalating the story and that you know writing isn't writing isn't like a documentary it's not just reflective of real life right because in real life things go into stasis often you know if i told you yeah, I was really hungry, you know, this afternoon. So I ate a sandwich and some chips. And then later on, I was still kind of hungry. So I had a snack. I'd say, I don't care. <laughs> right. No one gives a shit. There's no tension. That There's sounds no like conflict. a lot of TikTok videos. Hey, how you doing today? <laughs> right. I, like I see, I, I, I should, I should preface it by saying the only TikTok videos I watch are whatever YMH has on. And, uh, I, I've, I've never seen anything otherwise. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. So you're like, basically doing a TikTok by what you're saying. Right. So, stasis like and so in in my opinion in my opinion uh often metal like really heavy music can fall into stasis when repetition just isn't executed well and that's you know um verse chorus first chorus bridge out kind of thing you know we get lulled by that and it's almost the extremity of it the shock of it is dulled the second time you do it. And then mm-hmm. furthermore, the third time you do it, unless you, unless you can do it really well. Right. And that's the difference sure. between a great artist is, you know, what's coming and I'm going to make you excited by it again. Yeah. But in this, in this, there is kind of repetition and they do kind of come back to certain melodies or build on certain melodies, but it's, it's just a constant escalation, you know, throughout the song. And I think that bridge, and I like, love how you, the, the drums really are like the signposts in the song. The drums tell you, it's, they're like a little fairy. It's like, all right, you're, you're done with this side of the river. Yep, we're we're going to take here. you over yep. here. Yep. yep. Um, they're really a signpost. And when the drums re- really kind of announce, you know, in, in, in an epic way, like, oh, in here, and then that, that, that guitar line. Um, we talking just about so, going into the bridge. Yeah, when you Dude. when you're talking about him bending, yeah, th- yep. it's just it's the little things that create something to be great. So like the the bending sound and it's it's very ominous of that guitar. And I think Aaron Weiss. I mean, just to compliment him as a person, I think he has such a spiritual energy. Like he has an energy as a person that is quite commanding you know because he doesn't seek that command it's just kind of there in how he presents himself yeah and that is like really true artistic command and so um this is a really weird correlation but um i don't know if you've ever watched queen live performances in like freddie mercury but that dude Mm -hmm. is there's just something magical about him that i just you know and so it just kind of Aaron Weiss in like a really weird way in this genre and totally different kind of music. He just has that it factor. Um, but how it's paired, I just, it almost makes you feel lucky as a fan of this music that you got to, that they got Aaron Weiss on this because I don't know if he's ever been on anything else. Even if he has, he brings like the ruckus in his own way with me without you. And they get heavy sometimes, you know? Yeah. But their first, their first album, their first EP yeah. was totally heavy. They were, yeah. they were a metal band, their first EP. And yeah. then A to B life had a yeah. lot of those heavier elements, Some but they were shifting more into kind of, they were, weird, yeah, they were yeah. shifting more into, into what they kind of became. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway. Yeah. So it's just, it's just kind of that really special moment in time where you got this this guy who can do this thing 
And I feel like it is best amplified by Norma Jean, by Josh Scoggin, by this kind of songwriting structure. Like that is one of the greatest Aaron Weiss moments ever in music. Oh, agreed. And it all the all the pieces had to come together. Yep. Um, and so I don't know if you want to talk about the bridge or his lyrics. I think it's appropriate. There's something I have no, a nerd should, level detail. We on should that. get into yeah. Let's get into the lyrics. You you kick it off and do your nerd level because I think from from a musical standpoint, I think we've we've kind of touched the bases at least from a structure standpoint. But uh, yeah, dude, I'd love to hear your take on the lyrics because it is. It, what's funny is with I I, I cannot. Just like I can't really pick a favorite part, I can't mm-hmm. really pick the like a lyric that stands out more than others. Just the small tale that he tells is both beautiful and and heart wrenching to me mm-hmm. within this. That like it it is just so it, yeah. It, it, I'd love to hear your take on the lyrics. I guess is what I'm trying to, struggling to say. Yeah. So I feel like I anticipate that you probably understand much more about these lyrics than I do. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to go a whole lot into big picture, you know, um, conceptually, like, or thematically, I should say, like, what exactly they mean and what they're about. I mean, I have my assumptions, but I'm just going to go into mechanics a little bit. Um, and as we've talked about before, those, uh, without much, um, experience with, uh, literary mechanics and devices, um, are, uh, suck okay in my opinion (laughs) because because there's so much good you can do and here's here's what aaron weiss does and i just absolutely love it and i will say this with a preface of i've watched an interview of his and his brother you know because him and his brother and you know started founded me without you and have been playing together ever since he's the guitarist i think he's michael's his brother's name they're talking to him about A to Follow B life. Follow man on Instagram. Yeah. Michael Weiss? Yeah, yeah. He, oh, cool. He's, yeah, it's, it's actually kind of fun. He's like a really great guy. Super interested in him. He, yeah. It, uh, how I discovered his was it, Tyler Wolf showed me Catatonic Youths. Oh, yes. Which is just such a great... Yeah. That is like the perfect account to follow on Instagram, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. Um, and Mike, Mike Weiss, every once in a while would comment, like I saw him comment on a catatonic video and I was like, Oh, so I checked it out and like he, he shares some family and guitar stuff. But, uh, anyway. Yeah, no, he, they they just seem like incredible guys. And, and so it was just, I think you and I both are very intrigued by process. And so the creative process and they're talking to Aaron Weiss and, and Michael Weiss about their creative process. And Aaron Weiss specifically talked about A to B life. And one thing he mentioned was, one, he had just gotten over like a breakup. And so he's almost like embarrassed, but not embarrassed because he accepts it. You know, he accepts yeah, yeah. that's where he's at. But he wrote about like, just kind of like, uh, you know, just this uh, somber kind of, uh, you know, depressed lyrics about relationships and stuff like that. But he says that melody took him a little while to really get. And he said the difference between that album and then Catch Rust the Foxes and then especially by the time they got to Brother and Sister is his incorporation and, and feel and understanding of melody had improved so much. And it helped him with the uh, with uh, musicianship. Well, I say all that to say, even when he didn't feel like he was great with melody or understanding line breaks, in this he opens up with, you know, he laid emeralds, in her eyes, oh, but I'd already tried. So imperfect rhyme right there. Oh, a bracelet made of gold. And you really naturally feel like he's about to rhyme again, right? Imperfect rhyme. But he doesn't. And scarlet thread around her wrist. I, I wanna I wanna I don't mean to interrupt, but I do think cause on genius where where I got the lyrics from, uh-huh. it says, Oh, but I already tried. I actually think he says tied, and I think that's important because it doesn't segment when he says he laid emeralds in her eyes, oh, but I already tried, means he tried to already do that, but the other guy did. But I don't think that's what that means at all. Oh, I think tied. it's important. He laid emeralds in her eyes, oh, but I already tied a bracelet made of gold and scarlet thread around her wrist. And so it's like, hey, I already did this to this, and but he did it. He did something separate. Yeah. So there's some, it's, I, it's not like we have to get into semantics or anything, but it's funny how no, that that's one important. letter... Yeah completely changes in my opinion and it doesn't segment the two statements anymore it actually ties Ties it into yeah literally no okay that's perfect and i i think you're probably i i think that's probably what he says and i didn't listen to it too carefully but with the eyes and let's say tied so eyes and tied imperfect rhyme a bracelet made of gold you're naturally expecting gold to be rhymed right in some resolve 
but it's not. And scarlet thread around her wrist. So that that creates a bit of a jarring, a bit of an uncomfortable, it's hanging there, right? And it, it leaves you knowing there's more to come. Exactly. It's so great. Yeah. Right. And you this, and you yep. almost don't even know that when it happens, but like he's able to do that. And then and everything was wrong. So we sang sentimental songs, right? Oh, how seldom we belong. And then boom, he resolves the wrist with but how elegant our kiss. Yeah, dude. Yep. And in the flow and his timing and his his punctuation of it is just so brilliant that not only are these words just um, it's just exceptional imagery. It's not wasting any space on the line, but it's creating this um, tension that needs to be resolved, and it's just so great. And so I just it's those little things that artistically. I would be very interested in how much time he spends on his lines because these are in the very beginning of his career. By the time we get to like, um, you know, everything's crazy, everything's false or whatever that album name is, like he has become such a lyrical savant at that time that it's just whole stories are told in each line. But last thing I'll say is one of my favorite, um, you know, lines and images is, um, you know, so like the dull and wine we pour into a grief uh, we'd known before, um, but never quite like this, never quite like this. Like the dull and wine we pour into a grief uh, we'd never known. Uh, we'd, we know, sorry, we'd known before. So like the dull and wine we pour into a grief we'd known before. I just like that play on words, you know. So good, like yeah. a dull and wine we pour into a grief. It's just, yep. it's just really effective. And it really goes with, these lyrics really go with the feel of the song. All right, your turn. Thanks for listening. Well, I, I love that you brought up that kind of um, when he says wrist and it leaves you, it, like you said, you don't necessarily notice it. It's not like this huge tension, but it builds tension so that when it is resolved, it feels good. It feels right. And it, and it also, it puts on display a level of intention within the, um, the, the writer, right? And so you're absolutely correct. He would either normally rhyme with tide or with gold, depending on what phrasing. And so to add that, it's, it's very comparable to like when you're, when you're on a perfect fifth in music. So like when you have your home chord, your one, um, when you go to the fifth, you it builds it has so much tension and also like a dominant seventh it has so much tension in it that you want to go back home you want to get back to that one chord so badly and a and a fourth being on the fourth you could either want to move up to that fifth like naturally like what you're feeling you either want to go back up to the fifth or you want to go back down to home but it's so uniquely that perfect fifth it within music that just when you resolve that tension. And so it's, it's kind of that, like lyrically the equivalent of that tension. And I, I feel that too in this. Yeah. It feels so good when he brings in that word kiss and uh, from, a, from a writing standpoint. And so um, what we're experiencing when you're talking about that is not something I experience in metal music because I don't really experience the lyrical content in metal music very often, if at all. Mm-hmm. For the, you know, I mean, really, I can't think of other, another metal song where I experience some kind of a sensation like this um, lyrically. And so that's uniquely what Aaron Weiss brings to the table and in, and in the metal genre. Um, I do feel that lyrical content for more medium rock style stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I yeah, don't, but within yeah. metal music, I think that's what also makes this just such a unique, a uniquely classic metal song. But um, I, I don't have a lot, I don't have a lot to say about like the, I, you know, um, the meaning behind or ideas behind the lyrics or anything, but I feel like the, what he's trying to accomplish in the mood he's trying to deliver within that, uh, within the lyrics is just, um, it's meticulous and it's just, it's, it's just, it, it comes together. Um, it, it, it just comes together and flows so well together. I do, um, I do think that him saying, um, she has nothing left to say except to innocently ask her voice delicate as glass 
that addition of, because he's sticking with, he laid emeralds in her eyes, oh, but I already tied. And then he says, and everything was wrong, so we sing sentimental songs in another part. And so he's he's got these other, uh, like, all I know now is regret. She follows like a silhouette, right? So the except to innocently ask, her voice delicate as glass, that not only is the phrasing cohesive, obviously, with other things he's done, and so it's very intentionally written, but, like, that is so uniquely Aaron Weiss to me, to mm -hmm. say her voice delicate as glass. I love that kind of imagery that he produces with that. And I also love that it's kind of got the Aaron Weiss stamp on it. And uh, it's something that I would never have put in my own song. And so I love those moments where you really feel something that speaks to you and does something within you, but would have never come out of you. Those yeah. moments and those things really intrigue me. Um, there's something special about those, those kinds of things when they happen. And then uh, what she asks is, do you see me when we pass, but I, I continue on my way? Um, which rhymes before with, with she has nothing left to say. And so um, I, I just, I, I love how the, the chord this song ends on is, um, you know, this is a metal song, and it starts off with just, you know, a guttural scream from Josh Scoggin and just beating the shit out of drums and, and guitar chords, right? But what it ends on is this just beautiful guitar chord that leaves you with the way he leaves you lyrically. This does not end as a happy story. And the song ends on what I would consider a beautiful chord, but it also just pulls at your heartstrings. And so cohesively, the music, it, the music and the lyrics just at the end are something very, very special. Very, very special. And so I, I love how, um, I think all of that put together just is subconsciously somebody that might not, you know, break it down to appreciate it that hard. They're feeling it. I'm telling you, they're feeling it. And his, what his voice, what Aaron Weiss's voice and lyrics pull out of you, they resolve with that guitar chord. Mm -hmm. And so, um, anyway, I just, right to the bitter end, this song just brings it, dude. Dude, yeah. I, uh, uh, okay. Yeah, you just said a lot. Uh, what I wanted to say before is, I think the interesting thing with Aaron Weiss's um, talk, singing, style um you know spoken word really if 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 one could call it that it has this natural feeling of going against the current with this kind of music because you're expecting screaming you're expecting kind of singing and the song the 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 talking almost kind of stilts it you know it just seems interruptive it just seems kind of in the way but somehow he flows and makes it go with the current, you know? So it's just strange how he's taking this form and making it go with things, but it still stands out on its own. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not, it's more jarring than guttural screams, really. It's yeah. like all of a sudden this guy's like talking and it's like, wait, why are you like talking over this? I don't know. And it's just, so it's just kind of brilliant to be able to find a way to, to flow with it. Um, uh, I sorry, I was getting into what you were saying so much that I forgot. Like sometimes I know when you're about to hand it off, I was like, "Oh man, this is like where I want to take it," you know. Yeah. But then sometimes I'm just listening to you, and I'm like, "Oh, it's my turn." Like it is right now. Like I'm talking, and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, let's go to maybe favorite. Um, uh, I guess I, we can go. We can wrap it up. Favorite musical part. Uh, favorite um, uh, lyric. My, you know, I think. My favorite lyric is, and of course my uh, phone does that. Give me one second here. Um, oh, dude, I just want to say a past memory real quick. Yeah, of this song. Um, I it's a little timely because I'm training for a marathon right now, and I've only ran like one full marathon before, and I made a playlist, and so I'm always putting jams at certain parts, and I put this song around when I was kind of hoping to finish the race. 
Oh, nice. Okay. And Memphis <laughs> came on when I had just over half mile left, which meant it was guaranteed to be uh, jamming when I crossed the finish line. And dude, I, by that time, my pace, I mean, on my 24th and 25th mile, and I didn't think I'd dip down to these times, but I was, I ran like a 930 or like a oh, 940 nice. mile, yeah. like towards the end. And dude, my last mile, I hit a 718. No shit. So I felt, <laughs> I felt like I, and how tired my body was and your legs, like I legitimately felt like I ran a five minute mile, the last mile. Yeah. I mean, I laid it all out there, dude. Um, but like it, I ended up looking at my time afterwards as seven eighteen, which, uh, given the exhaustion and everything, but dude, they were breaking it down so hard. And that point of the course was kind of a battlefield because it's really sad too. Like you hate to see it. So many people towards the end of a marathon, unfortunately get like pulled or strained calves, um, mm -hmm. or like hamstrings and stuff like that. Like they've made it that far, but the body starts breaking down. So you see people like off to the side on a curb, like, really devastated and then you see all their people just like just really yeah, struggling yeah, yeah. and your boy i'll pride myself <laughs> on this dude i was getting it and it just made me proud it made me proud to be listening to this song you know because us in this kind of genre we just don't like i don't know there's just not a whole lot of commu like mass community you know there's yeah. I, i'm not i'm not rolling down my window and hearing people blast memphis often you know what i mean oh yeah so uh, I think the listening experience often is just an enjoyment with self, you know? And that was a moment where I was like, hell yeah, man, this is the stuff I love. It's literally getting me across the finish line. I fucking love metal. Yeah. And so, um, I, I, uh, did want to awesome. bring that up, but yeah, my, my favorite lyrics, um, I, I would probably say, um, would just be, uh okay uh waltz around the room with a glaze in your stare for some reason um the second time he says that because the second time it's after he's now said that now you're doing the waltz with your murderer and that and by this time the guitar's raging so the guitar's raging waltz around the room with a glaze in your stare um the the imagery has kind of become like doubly haunting and there's so much energy in the song at that point that by the way he's screaming it like this glaze in the stare of the individual becomes so much more like alive and defined yeah like you can see it and it's just kind of piercing and the best musical moment i just think is when that drum roll comes in and then the guitars follow to to bring in aaron weiss into that song it's just like yeah, it's, it's hard to it's compete going with down. That. Yeah, it's hard to compete with that. Yeah. No, and I get I gave the time stamps before a minute forty one, two fifty two, and three thirty six are kind of some of the sections that are just amazing um, where where it breaks up. But I don't know, man. Do you, do you have a life application you want to send at home? I I think I've spoken I've spoken my piece about. Uh, um, about this song i feel no man got all my notes I, I don't have any yeah i don't have any life application well i i will say i am very um i'm very happy we were able to share the moment together yeah at, uh, at that show with this song i think it kind of helped put a little bit of um uh i guess some 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 special it just it, it in some way it just elevated the song to be even a, that more that much more special mm -hmm. or timeless to you and me you know yeah and uh, and those of us that were there and so um, this song really I think in a way maybe transcends is not the right word but it it like the the band it's not even so much about norma jean it's about this song for me with this band and i love i love some of the other um songs from from this band don't get me wrong i i don't i don't i i wouldn't say that i love everything in their entire library but i do their first you know four four albums or so are just they're solid dude a lot of great breakdowns a lot of great stuff great stuff but this song just kind of transcends all of that into something elevated and again i don't know if transcends is the right word but it's just it's just there's something different about this one yeah and yeah the last thing i'll say on that is i i'm glad we had that moment too and it's uh 
kind of rare because there's there's plenty of times when even you go to shows with friends and you're hoping for those kinds of things and sometimes it just doesn't line up the feel in the room's kind of weird or the music just doesn't sound yeah, mix right. is weird it falls mix flat, is weird something. yeah yep. like or you're just kind of having a weird night yeah. and just not feeling it like feeling there's so many things that go into play because you really know like oh man if we can have kind of a cool special moment it'll it'll carry with this song you know because you know you're going to be listening to the music afterwards so it is really refreshing when you get those moments at shows when it just forever changes the song to you forever changes the artist to you and uh yeah man we're we're fortunate 